Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the ballpark. This is the Baseball History Timeline Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Wilkinson, and in this episode, we're taking a look at the 1907 Major League Baseball season. The Baseball History Timeline is available wherever you find your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a five-star rating so we can push this content out to more of our fellow fanatics. The 1907 season saw the Chicago Cubs atone for suffering what remains the biggest World Series upset in history. After winning a still-record 116 games in 1906, the Cubbies dropped the series to the crosstown rival White Sox in six games. The 1907 squad claimed nine fewer wins during the season, but gained the two extra victories that mattered most. The Cubs swept the American League champion Detroit Tigers to take the first of back-to-back world championships. The Tigers struggled mightily through 1906, posting only a single winning campaign in the decade to that point. But with the first explosive campaign of the game's newest superstar, Detroit improved by 21 games to earn its first pennant and World Series berth. Ty Cobb shrugged off personal issues and repeated squabbles with teammates to lead the AL in batting, slugging, RBIs, runs, and stolen bases. Cobb and Sam Crawford were the only superstars in an otherwise pedestrian lineup, but having three 20-plus game winners on the mound made the Tigers a champion. However, the season's success was yet to be reflected at the gate. Only last place Washington drew fewer fans to the park than Detroit, so the Tigers had more work to do to stave off yearly rumors of relocation. But it was the manner by which the Tigers won their first AL pennant that changed the game. I've studied the history of baseball for much of my life, and honestly, the 1907 campaign has rarely registered. In researching for this episode, I came across an anomaly of which I was never aware. For the only time in the history of Major League Baseball, a first-place championship team had more losses than the second-place squad. Detroit finished with a record of 92-58, and while the Philadelphia Athletics posted a mark of 88-57. and So the Tigers were technically one and a half games ahead of the A's when the season ended. You might be asking, how is this possible? Well, Detroit played five more games than Philadelphia, despite missing four games itself. The A's played just 145 of 154 scheduled contests. The problem in baseball at the time was that tied games called for either rain, but usually for darkness, were not always made up. 30 games in 1907, suspended as ties, were not resumed or replayed, and ties weren't factored into a team's record. They simply disappeared as if they never appeared on the schedule in the first place. There were also instances of second games of doubleheaders never getting started because the opener took too long. Games not reaching the official five-inning threshold before rain were also problematic. With artificial lights roughly 30 years away from being available for use, baseball faced a real problem. It took a team with the fewest losses in the AL not winning the title for organized baseball to decide that each pennant contending team must complete its schedule to ensure a 100% bona fide champion. Not to say the Tigers weren't legit champs. In fact, the aging A's probably blew any real claim of being screwed in a head-to-head series against Detroit in late September. The Tigers took game one of the series to take a a game-and-a-half lead, then rallied from a six-run deficit to even the second game in the ninth inning. Neither team could take a win in that one before the 17th inning, 
when darkness wiped it out, as well as the second game scheduled that day, the Tigers left with a game and a half lead, won their next five games to clinch the pennant. Here's the timeline of events for the 1907 season. March 4th, Brooklyn pays Baltimore $40,000 plus $12,000 in interest, finally. This money was supposed to go to the Baltimore franchise when it dropped out of the National League nearly a decade ago. March 16th, after Ty Cobb gets into fights with a black groundskeeper and his wife, as well as teammate Boss Schmidt, the Tigers offer Cobb to Cleveland for outfielder Elmer Flick. Cleveland manager Napoleon Lajoie turns the deal down. March 28th, Boston American League manager Chick Stahl commits suicide at the end of spring training in West Baden, Indiana. The circumstances surrounding the suicide are still unknown, but three days earlier, the 34-year-old had asked to be replaced as skipper. Cy Young is named acting manager. March 29th, one day after the stall suicide, Boston National League player Cozy Dolan dies of typhoid fever at their training site in Louisville, Kentucky. The team cancels the rest of its exhibition games. April 11th, an unruly crowd at the polo grounds on opening day throws snowballs onto the field and eventually storm the field, causing the umpires to award Philadelphia a 9-0 forfeit win over the Giants. A spring snow had fallen just prior to game time, but had been removed from the playing surface. It remains the only opening day forfeit in modern history. April 17th, Cy Young returns to just pitching duties after the Red Sox hired George Hoff as manager. April 18th, Boston Red Sox release two-time home run champion and five-time 300 hitter Buck Freeman. It's the end of the 35-year-old's 11-year career. May 1st, the managing carousel for the Red Sox continues as Bob Unglob is hired following Huff's resignation after only eight games. May 8th, Big Jeff Pfeffer of the Boston National League Doves no-hit Cincinnati in a 6-0 victory. May 20th, the New York Giants see their 20-game winning streak snapped with a 6-4 home loss to the St. Louis Cardinals. May 21st, thousands of fans at the Polo Grounds are back on the field, this time after a 3-0 loss to the Chicago Cubs. They hurl objects at the umpires, causing the players to encircle the umps for protection. May 26th, Ed Walsh of the Chicago White Sox beats New York 8-1, throwing a five-inning no-hitter. May 31st, Kid Elberfield of the New York AL team steals home twice in a game against Boston. June 7th, the Red Sox trade third baseman and former manager Jimmy Collins to the Philadelphia Athletics. They receive infielder Schoolboy Knight in return. June 12th, the New York Highlanders commit 11 errors while losing 14-6 to the Detroit Tigers. June 13th, the Boston Red Sox play an exhibition game to benefit the widow of former manager Chick Stahl. June 17th, Yet another managerial change for Boston, the fourth before the midway point of the campaign. Deacon Jim McGuire takes over for Unglob, who had posted a 9-20 mark. June 19th, Miller Huggins of the Cincinnati Reds hits a leadoff home run off Giant star pitcher Christy Mathewson. June 21st, Mordecai Three-Finger Brown wins his 10th straight game by beating St. Louis. 
His catcher, Johnny Kling, guns down four potential base stealers at second. June 28th, Washington beats New York 16-5 and steals 13 bases in a game against catcher and future baseball pioneer Branch Rickey. July 8th, now it's fans in Brooklyn acting out. The crowd throws bottles at Chicago Cubs manager Frank Chance, and Chance returns fire during another three-finger Brown victory. Chance needs a police escort to exit the park safely. July 16th, Detroit's Ty Cobb swipes home for the first time in his career, coming all the way down the line against Philadelphia superstar Rube Waddell. July 27th, Boston player manager Deacon McGuire becomes the oldest player to hit a pinch hit home run at the age of 43. July 30th, Cincinnati manager Ned Hanlon announces he'll retire at the end of the season. He won five National League pennants in his 19-year career, four for Baltimore and another in Brooklyn. August 2nd, Walter Johnson drops his major league debut for the Washington Senators with a 3-2 loss to Detroit. Ty Cobb picks up two of the six hits Johnson allows. Sam Crawford's inside-the-park homer is the difference in the game. August 7th, Johnson bounces back to claim his first big league win, a 7-2 four-hitter over Cleveland. The big train had been signed out of the Western Association for a $100 bonus. August 11th, pitcher Ed Carger of the St. Louis Cardinals is perfect in a shortened seven-inning contest. The Cards top the Boston Dubs 4-0. August 23rd, Pittsburgh's Howie Camnitz no-hits the Giants 1-0 in a five-inning second game of a doubleheader. It's the third shortened no-no of the season. August 28th, New York AL lefty pitcher Tex Neuer blanks Boston 1-0. Neuer will fire three shutouts and six complete games in the only month of his big league career. September 9th, Boston's Cy Young and Philadelphia's Rube Waddell throw rare dueling shutouts in a 13-inning 0-0 tie. Tie games do not count toward the final standings. September 20th, Pittsburgh rookie Nick Maddox throws a no-hitter against Brooklyn. Only Pirates player manager Fred Clark notches any hits for either side in the 2-1 victory. September 22nd, New Philadelphia Phillies pitcher George McQuillan shuts out St. Louis 2-0 as part of a record 25 consecutive scoreless innings to start a career. September 25th, Pittsburgh's Honus Wagner steals second base, third base, and home in the second inning against New York. September 29th, Phillies pitcher George McQuillan's streak ends at 32 consecutive scoreless innings, a major league record to start a career. October 2nd, Ty Cobb earns a $500 bonus by picking up his 200th hit of the season. Also, Phillies third baseman Eddie Grant goes 7-for-7 in a doubleheader against pitching giants Rube Marquard and Christy Mathewson. October 3rd, the Red Sox beat the St. Louis Browns 1-0 to end the 16-game losing streak. The franchise also had a 20-game skid during the 1906 season. October 5th, Athletics pitcher Rube Vickers is perfect in a 4-0, 5 inning victory over Washington. And then a couple off-season notes. November 4th, Brooklyn Superbas president Charles Ebbets becomes the team's majority stockholder. 
With borrowed money, he buys out owners F.A. Abel, Ed Hanlon, and the estate of the late Harry Vanderhorst. The new majority owner begins plans to build a new ballpark. And finally, December 13th, in a whopping eight-player trade, the New York Giants acquire shortstop Al Bridwell, first baseman Fred Tenney, and catcher Tom Needham from the Boston Doves in exchange for pitcher George Ferguson, first baseman Dan McGann, shortstop Bill Dahlin, catcher Mike Bowerman, and outfielder George Brown. McGann, Dahlin, and Brown had been instrumental pieces of John McGraw's pennant winner in 1904 and world championship team in 1905. Now the final standings for the 1907 season. The American League first up. First place champion Detroit Tigers, 92 wins, 58 losses, winning percentage of 613. Second place, Philadelphia Athletics, despite having fewer losses than the champion, they were 88 and 57, winning percentage 607, a game and a half out. Third place, Chicago White Sox, the defending world champions competed for a while before dropping off late in the season. They finished 87 and 64. Percentage of 576, they were five and a half games back. Fourth place, Cleveland, 85 and 67, 559 percentage, eight games out. Fifth place, New York, 70 and 78, 21 games back at a percentage of 473. St. Louis Browns in sixth place, 69 and 83, 24 games off the pace, percentage of 454. Seventh place, Boston, 59 and 90. 396 winning percentage, 32 and a half games out. And last place, Washington, 49 and 102, 325 percentage, 43 and a half games back. National League final standings. First place champion, Chicago Cubs, another spectacular season, 107 and 45, over 700 winning percentage again for them this year at 704. Second place, a distant 17 games back, Pittsburgh Pirates, 91 and 63, percentage of 591. Third place, Philadelphia Phillies, 83 and 64, 565 percentage, 21 and a half games out. Fourth place, New York Giants, off year for them, 82 and 71, 536 percentage, 25 and a half games off the pace. Fifth place, Brooklyn finishes 40 games back at 65 and 83 percentage of 439. Sixth place, Cincinnati Reds, 66 and 87, 431 percentage, 41 and a half games back. The newly named Boston Doves, I believe it'll be their only year as the Doves, 58 and 90 for seventh place, 47 games out, percentage of 392, and 55 and a half games back, eighth place, St. Louis Cardinals. Rare season to see the Cardinals throughout their history finishing dead last, but uh, this was one of them. 52 wins, 101 losses. They won only 34% of their games. Now the statistical leaders for 1907. I'm going to make a bit of a change here. Uh, up until this point, I've only been doing the uh, champion in each category. I'm going to extend that to a top five just to give more guys some, uh, some of their due. So let's start with the American League batting leaders for average. Ty Cobb wins the batting title at 350 for Detroit. Sam Crawford also from Detroit, 323 was second. Third place George Stone of the St. Louis Browns at 320. Fourth was Elmer Flick of Cleveland, 302, also 302. 
in fifth place of Philadelphia A's Simon Nichols. Home run leaders, and once again, all single digits. Harry Davis wins another home run title for Philadelphia. Just eight, though. Second place was Cobb at five for Detroit. Also with five, Danny Hoffman of the New York Highlanders and Sox Seabold of Philadelphia. And then fifth place, Crawford for Detroit with four. And two other guys had four. Hope Ferris of Boston, George Stone of the St. Louis Browns. RBI leaders, Ty Cobb comes in first, 27 ahead of the field, 119 for Cobb to come in first. Seabold of Philadelphia, second at 92. Harry Davis, 87 for third. Sam Crawford finished fourth at 81 for Detroit. And Bobby Wallace of the St. Louis Browns, fifth in RBIs at 70. Looking at runs scored, Crawford came in first at 102 for Detroit. Second place, Davy Jones also of Detroit at 101. And Cobb was third for Detroit with 97. So that's an easy way to see how the Tigers won the pennant. Top three run scorers in the league. Topsy Hartzell, Philadelphia, was fourth with 93. And Ed Hahn of the White Sox, 87 for fifth place in the league. Stolen bases. Cobb, again, wins the title, 49. Wid Conroy of the New York Highlanders, second at 41, tied with Elmer Flick of Cleveland. Fourth place, Bob Ganley of Washington with 40. Also of Washington, Dave Altizer had 38 for fifth. Now pitching leaders in the American League for 1907. The wins title was shared by Addie Joss of Cleveland and Doc White of the Chicago White Sox, each with 27 wins. Bill Donovan of Detroit, Ed Killian also of Detroit, came in tied for third with 25. And then tied for fifth, two other pitchers, Eddie Plank of Philadelphia, Ed Walsh of Chicago, 24 piece. Now leading in ERA was Walsh with Chicago, tremendous season for him, 1.60. Killian from Detroit, second, 1.78. Joss for Cleveland, 1.83. Harry Howell, St. Louis, 1.93. And then Cy Young for Boston, still mowing him down at his age, 1.99, fifth place in ERA. And those were all the guys that came in under two. And now looking at strikeout leaders, Rube Waddell again for Philadelphia, 232. Also over 200, Ed Walsh, 206 for Chicago. Eddie Plank, Philadelphia, 183. Jimmy Digert also had a great year for the A's. He won 21 games and had 151 strikeouts for fourth. And Cy Young, fifth place for Boston, 147. Now the National League hitting leaders. Another batting title for Honus Wagner of Pittsburgh at 350. 22 points ahead of second place. Sherry McGee of Philadelphia Phillies, 328. Ginger Beaumont, now of Boston, 322, came in third. Tommy Leach of Pittsburgh, 303, was fourth. And coming in fifth, Cy Seymour, now of the Giants, 294. Leaders in home runs. We had one guy in the entire big leagues get to double digits. That was Dave Brain of Boston, 10 homers. Harry Lumley of Brooklyn was second with nine. Seven home runs, Red Murray of St. Louis was third. Wagner actually came in fourth with six round trippers. 
And George Brown of the Giants, as I mentioned, his last year for the Giants before getting traded, he came in fifth with five home runs. RBIs, McGee for Philadelphia, 85 to lead the circuit. Ed Abaticcio of Pittsburgh was second with 82, also with 82. Wagner for Pittsburgh. Fourth place, Cy Seymour of the Giants with 75. And in fifth, Harry Steinfeld of Chicago with 70. Runs leaders, Spike Shannon of the Giants led the league at 104. Also over 100 with 102, Tommy Leach of Pittsburgh. Wagner was third, 98. Fred Clark also of Pittsburgh, fourth at 97. And Fred Tenney of Boston came in fifth at 83. Stolen bases, Wagner, 61, 15 ahead of the field was first. Johnny Evers of the Cubs, 46. Also McGee of Philadelphia, also 46. They shared second place. Leach of Pittsburgh was fourth at 43. And Art Devlin of the Giants came in fifth at 38. Moving on to the pitching leaders in the National League. Wins champion, uh, the King, Christy Mathewson, 24. Orville overall had his first tremendous season for the Cubs and won't be his last. He had 23, second place in the league. Tully Sparks of the Phillies was third at 22 wins. Vic Willis of Pittsburgh, 21. And then two guys tied for fifth with 20 wins apiece. Mordecai Threefinger Brown of Chicago, Lefty Lee Field of Pittsburgh. ERA, Jack Feaster of the Cubs, 1.15. Carl Lundgren of the Cubs, 1.17. Mordecai Brown of the Cubs, 1.39. Overall of the Cubs was fifth at 1.68. And the only non-Cub cracking the top five, Sam Lever of Pittsburgh, 1.66. So easy to see how the Cubs dominated once again in the 1907 season. And finally for strikeouts in the National League, Mathewson, 178. Bob Ewing of the Cincinnati Reds, 147. Red Ames of the Giants, 146. Fred Beebe of St. Louis, 141. Also with 141 overall for the Cubs, tied for fourth. And that's the top five for strikeouts in the National League. Now moving on to the postseason, the World Series of 1907. The Cubs blew away the National League field again in 1907. As I mentioned, besting second place Pittsburgh by 17 games. Their pitching rotation of Feaster, Lundgren, Brown, Overall, and Ed Rulbach unrivaled in the big leagues. Player manager first baseman Frank Chance topped the hitters with a 293 average. Chicago did score more than 100 fewer runs than it did in 1906, but with a staff of four of the top five ERA pitchers, they more than made up for it. The Tigers, led by Cobb in his first superstar year, Sam Crawford combined with him to form the top one-two hitting combo in the game at the time. Crawford came in second to Cobb in batting and slugging. Leadoff man Davy Jones second in runs scored in the league. And on the mound, Wild Bill Donovan, Ed Killian, 25 wins apiece. And George Mullen posted the astonishing mark of 20-20. and 20. Game one was October 8th. It ended in a 3-3 tie, another tie in this 1907 season. It was called after 12 innings for darkness. 
It appeared the Tigers would steal the opener from the heavily favored Cubs, bringing a 3-2 lead into the bottom of the ninth. But a pass ball by catcher Boss Schmidt allowed the tying run to cross. Schmidt did recover later that inning to tag out Johnny Evers on his attempted steal of home. Donovan threw all 12 innings for Detroit and struck out 12. So that game was basically washed out. Game 2, October 9th, Chicago 3, Detroit 1. Feaster went the distance, giving up nine hits to top George Mullen. Jimmy Slagle's single drove in Joe Tinker with the eventual winning run. It wasn't all fun in the game for Slagle, who was victimized by the hidden ball trick pulled off by third baseman Bill Coughlin. It remains the only successful hidden ball trick in World Series history. Game 3, October 10th, Chicago 5, Detroit 1. Ruhlbach finished with a six-hitter for the Cubs, who were paced offensively by Johnny Evers' three hits, including a pair of doubles. Game 4, October 11th, Chicago 6, Detroit 1. Overall allowed five hits in the win, knocked in a pair with a fifth-inning single to help his own cause. Donovan gave up seven hits in the loss. Cobb tripled and scored in the bottom of the fourth to give the Tigers a brief 1-0 lead, but Chicago took the lead the next inning. And Game 5 was October 12th, a Chicago 2-0 win. The Cubs completed the sweep and gained atonement for the 06 series loss. Three-finger Brown clinched the title by firing a seven-hitter. Chicago's pitching had an ERA of 0.75 and held Cobb to four hits and a 200 average. On offense, the Cubs stole 18 bases and were paced by Harry Steinfeld's 471 average. Detroit's fielder served up eight unearned runs to the Cubs as well. So the Chicago Cubs are the 1907 world champions, and we will see that again before, unfortunately for them, quite a lengthy absence from the uh, top spot in baseball. So that's the 1907 season. This is the Baseball History Timeline Podcast. I'm Michael Wilkinson. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.